and final part of our Book of Medora episode on Majora's Mask. Last we left off, Cameron, we had freed all four giants of Terminus. We freed them, but we have a problem, Crystal. Oh, oh, what's that? Well, that problem is we don't actually have most of the masks at this point. We haven't helped most of these people. We need to help everyone. And unlike every other Zelda game, doing all the side quests is a super good thing to do for a lot of reasons. On multiple levels, yes. So let's go over the different masks that we've touched on at this point. There's the three transformation masks. There's the Great Fairy's mask that you get for bringing the Great Fairy of Clocktown together for the first time. Um, We talked about the Mask of Truth, which was in the Spider House. The Mask of Sense that you get from the Deku Butler. Don Gero's mask, though we can touch on that a little bit maybe. Romani's mask that you get from helping Cremia and Romani. Uh, the Garo mask, I think. Yeah, we definitely got the Garo's mask, right? So we got the Garo's mask. Uh, we talked a little bit about the captain's hat. We didn't really talk about the stone mask. We got the uh, Gorman's mask. <sighs> the Gibdo mask that you get from saving the guy in the music box house. Mm-hmm. And the giant's mask. That's a lot of masks. A lot of masks. But it's only like half of them. Okay, let's see. We didn't talk about Cafe's mask. Yeah, that entire subplot we've only touched on like in the most periphery ways. Let's talk about the Anju Cafe subplot. Oh, yeah. This is this still the best side quest in the series? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the best one. It's got the best payoff too. So, how should we start this? So, okay. When you go back in time to the very first day, one of the first things you are likely to see is this kid in a Keaton mask going to check the mailbox. Right. So that kid in the Keaton mask, he only comes out when you ring that little bell, and he tries to avoid having you see him. Mm-hmm. He's trying to be stealthy. Trying to be real stealthy. So you don't really have any idea who this is, and even if you manage to sneak in behind him and get into the room where he's normally hiding... He won't tell you what's going on. He basically just asks you to leave. Mm -hmm. And you don't really have any further way to interact with him unless you happen to go to the mayor's residence. Where the mayor's wife will tell you that her son is missing. And she gives you a mask. Cafe's mask. Which is interesting that she has a mask of her son's face. Well, people like masks. It's true. Masks are big in Terminal. And you look at it, and it allows you... Anytime you wear that mask, it's automatically assumed... That you're asking people if they've seen Cafe. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everyone in town has a different answer for when you're wearing this mask. And you can get little hints in different places about where Cafe is. But long story short, if you sneak back into where the kid with the Keaton mask is, because he has the same hair as the mask, and speak to him while wearing it, he recognizes that you were sent by his mother. Because this kid is Cafe. But Cafe's a grown man. Yes, which is why he's in hiding. He was cursed by an imp wearing a mask. Hmm. And he's trying to figure out how to break... Oh, no, it's not that. That's not why he's hiding. It has nothing to do with that. the fact that he's a child. He 
was transformed into a kid, but his mask, the sun mask, the mask that he's going to use to marry Anju was stolen. Oh, stolen. Stolen by... Oh, what is the name of that guy? His name is... Sakon. Sakon. What a dick, that Sakon. And basically, he needs to get the sun mask back from Sakon. If he can do that, the wedding will be back on and he can come out of hiding. It doesn't matter that he's still a kid. Okay. Now, it does need to be mentioned here that you can actually fail this entire quest... By getting another mask. Fail in several ways. Yes, but, I mean, you can fail it almost immediately. On the first night, I think. Oh, yes. Uh, Sakon runs through the northern area of Clock Town and mugs an old lady. Now, in order to progress the Cafe Anju quest, you have to let him get away. That's messed up. But it is messed up. But if you stop him, you are rewarded by the old lady with the blast mask. Which is a bomb you strap to your face and explode. So those quests are mutually exclusive. Completely mutually exclusive. And yet in the credits, they both need to have. Yes. I also really like the old lady. She's nice. That she's super nice. And she has a very concerned son. who, Whether you help her or not, uh, you find out that her son is the uh, tough who runs the, mm, who runs the bomb shop. She was bringing a shipment of bomb, which is why if you shoot at Sakon once he's stolen her bag of bombs, he explodes. Okay, cool. But if you hit him with a sword, he drops the bombs and you can return them to her. And I just thought it was cute because whether you save her or not, the you can find her son covered in tattoos fussing over his mother any time after the first night. And she's like, I'm fine. It's fine. And he's like, I still wish you wouldn't go outside that late, mom. It's not safe out there. And I just like that as a little character thing. And let's see. So there's actually... I have not done this quest in so long. I forget steps of how to do the Cafe Anju quest. Oh, I've got the whole walkthrough pulled up here. Oh, so I thought you might just remember it off the top of your head. At 2 p.m. on the first day, the postman will oh, enter God. the stockpot inn and deliver a letter to Anju from a mysterious person. Yes. And if you speak to Anju wearing Cafe's mask, she asks Link to meet you in the kitchen... 11.30 p.m., in which case, she will ask, she will give you the letter, she'll give you a letter addressed to Cafe, and ask you to put it in the post box, the same post box that he will check. But if you give the letter to the hand in the toilet, then you get a heart piece, but you fail the quest. Can't you do that with any piece of paper? Yeah, but you can also do it with this dear letter. No! He can wipe his ass with the letter addressed to Cafe. No, it's horrible. No. Also, this is the first appearance of Toilet Hand. All right, well, you gotta get that heart piece for the recurring character give him, Toilet I'm, Hand. I'm gonna give him one of the Deku, the, the Deku deeds, okay? The, this he can wipe his ass with capitalism. This character appears not only in Majora's Mask, but also Oracle of Ages and Skyward Sword. Uh, yeah, that's true. A little bit different in Skyward Sword in that the hand was disembodied instead of just reaching up out of the turlet. Apparently, according to Miyamoto, there are some ghost stories in Japan where when you are sitting in the bathroom in the traditional style of the Japanese toilet, a hand is actually starting to grab you from beneath. It's a very scary story. So that's the origin of this story. Well, I gotta admit, that's a very scary story. I don't like the idea of nothing grabbing me while I'm using the toilet. <laughs> so, you get the letter from Anju and you deliver it to Cafe and Cafe gets the letter and you speak to him right? The door's unlocked after he gets the letter. Yes. So 
You deliver the letter, and he gives you a letter to deliver to her, was it? So, well, he tells Link all about how he was turned into a child and the sun mask was stolen. Right. He gives you the pendant of memories and asks you to deliver it to Anju. Oh, God. Okay, so you take the pendant to Anju, and she has a minor freak out when she sees it, but she's like, okay, this is definitely from Cafe, I trust you. Okay. And then the, uh, what happens next? Oh, and she decides to wait for him. Oh, right, yep, she will, oh, yes, the ending of this quest is very good, we'll get to that later. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 and if you mess up any part of it, including not giving her that pendant, it doesn't make the rest of the quest not happen, but, like, this quest ends in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. But you give her that pendant, and this is important because it ends up causing a big rift between her and her mother, because her mother wants to flee. But when you give Anju that pendant, she knows she will wait for Cafe. <laughs> the world may come to an end, but she will wait. So if you go to the door the next day, the man in the curiosity shop will tell you that Cafe is left for Econa Canyon, and he gives you the Keaton mask. It's interesting because if you speak to that man before, you find out that he actually knows Cafe and that they're friends. Mm -hmm. And during this sequence, you learn that Cafe has been spying on people that come into the curiosity shop because the curiosity shop is like a pawn shop used for illegal sales. Mm -hmm. And he's keeping an eye out for Sakon there. And that's how he knows where to go, how to trail Sakon, because he shows up trying to pawn off something. Yep. That's that's a really cool little detail that the two of them are that sort of friend, even though Cafe is the mayor's son and this guy is just some kind of crime lord. I don't think he's a crime lord. I think he's just a He's fence. a super crime lord. Uh, so, yeah, you go to Ikana. Yeah. And you go into Sakon's hideout. And then something very unusual for the Zelda series happens. Oh, boy. You, you lose play. control of Link. Uh, and you control Cafe. Yeah! This is like the first time you control someone who's not Link, I think. Uh-huh. Like, literally the first time. Well, if we're not counting it, Zelda's adventure. And we're not. Okay. But it it's interesting, isn't it? Uh-huh. Just being able to play as anybody else, because it means that in this sequence, Cafe's uh, agency is just as important as yours, and also they keep the puzzle shit going really hard. Yeah, so you solve some puzzles, you get the sun mask back. Or not, and that's also bad. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. So then, so if you've done everything right, Anju is waiting in the room in the inn, and Cafe says he's also going to be there. Just, 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 just you wait. He's going to, and he runs. He runs the whole way back. So you can go there, and uh, you can wait, and he cuts it very 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 close he shows up with like what an hour to spare at hour 30 i think it's yeah a really amazing test of faith we're like did did i do something wrong did i miss some kind of step here no you just have to wait and trust that he's gonna show up oh it's so good it's it's for the player as much as for the characters mm -hmm. but then oh. he does show up and he and anju embrace and they say they're gonna wait for the morning together they exchange their masks we do need to mention that part. Yes, that's that's the marriage ceremony, exchanging the masks. And they take the sun mask and the moon mask, which are really fancy, but also kind of hideous. Well, it's not their and final form. And in the, yeah, it's not their final form. And in the exchange, they become the couple's mask, which has this sort of very smooth, pearly, featureless surface. Beautiful. With this really pretty white inlay that looks almost like waves on the ocean or the wind or something. And it, I am going to be honest, I thought that this, when I first got it back in 2000, I thought it was the most 
important item that I had ever earned for myself in a video game. Hell yeah. Because that was that's just the kind of investment you have in it, right? And they say that now we are a couple, and you can speak to them after, and they say, we'll be all right here. We're going to wait for the morning together. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, I can't handle this. Now, you have like about a minute of real world time to either go summon the giants or go back in time. You gotta hoof it. And oh. I would say the best way to play this game would be to do this right before summoning the giants. Oh, you have to. Yeah. There's no way to not. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I actively reject people who do not do the couple's mask last. Well, that's not true. I just think that the best experience is doing it. It's a very good quest. It's so good. That knocked out, like, what, three masks? It did. But it's it's such a good quest. And it's the thing is that if you fuck up any part of it, so many different things happen. Because if you don't give Anju the pendant of memories, then she goes to Romani Ranch with her mother. But Cafe will still show up. This is important because her mother... continues to talk about cafe's faithlessness Mm -hmm. and anju almost starts to listen to her she doesn't want to believe but the fact that she's with her mother on the ranch speaks to her and says that on some level she must and then cafe comes back to the stockpot inn and it's empty oh no and it's and it's just him in this room and that is tied for the most tragic outcome of that quest. There's another tragic outcome where Anju is waiting there, but you lose the sun mask. It falls into a hole. And that that leaves Cafe trapped in Sakon's hideout. To be await his death. And instead, you can go back to the inn and wait for Anju. And whereas Cafe is crushed in those final moments, Anju, until the moon drops, never ceases to believe oh, no is that that's the fuckedest it's the worstest oh, oh so good <laughs> everything or, about... you could also just give the letter to the guy to wipe his ass no crystal <laughs> it's horrible you just save the bomb woman that's that's not a terrible ending okay yeah if you save the bomb woman then everything kind of gets fucked up because sakon never appears and that means that cafe's always waiting and anju just leaves but you did save the old lady that's something See, oh, there's also one more mask involved with that quest. Cafe oh, yeah. will also give you a letter addressed to his mother, uh, explaining the situation. Oh. And if you give it to the postman, then you get the postman's hat. That's right. You can give it to his mother at the um, at the milk bar when things are about to end, mm-hmm. and you can. And she gives you a, uh, the postman. Do you not get that for the? No, no, no. What you have to do is you have to save the postman for that to happen. Right. And the last thing that the postman does is... He's been running around the whole game. He's just the postman. That's his entire character. And you have to do a bunch of postman-style mini-games to be able to get heart pieces from him and stuff. And the last thing that you do is you give Cafe's letter to him. And he decides, okay, okay, I, I was really worried about this, but... I have something that I can do. I will deliver this as my last act, and I will go out doing what I love. And he takes it to Madame Aroma, and she reads it. And instead of reacting to what her son said, she turns to the postman and says, That's good. You did a very good job, and you're relieved. And he's like, What? And she says, Run. I was like, That's so good. Every part of it is so good. And then he gives you his hat to 
signify that he's finished. And the end of his character arc is just delivering a letter, and it doesn't sound that affecting when I just say it. But it's really, really nice. He's he just he just wants to do his job, even at the end of the world. Yeah. How how do you get the Keaton mask? Uh, the curiosity shop owner gives it to you after you talk to him about Cafe. That, that's right. Did you did you mention that already? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. So after that, uh, can we talk about Camaro's mask? Okay. That mask fucking freaky. Yeah. You can uh, exit Clock Town. And nearby in the northwest, there'll be some mushroom rocks. Yeah. If you go there at night, there's going to be a naked man dancing there. Yeah, it's pretty naked. Uh, Play the song Healing. He'll give you a mask. Yeah. And this mask is interesting because it's faceless, Mm -hmm. but like on top, it's like flesh colored faceless, like the color of Link's flesh Uh faceless. Not like the fucking couple's mask, which makes sense almost, but this is like a horrible looking thing. And then on top of it, there's like Kamaro's head and shoulders. Yeah. And the only thing that it lets you do is do like a weird wavy back and forth dance while Kamaro's theme plays. And it's very, very disconcerting in every part. Well, that's harsh. Isn't it? I, I mean, his only regret in life was that he was not able to pass on his choreography. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, but first, you you let him move on without even, like, easing that regret. You just take the regret into yourself. But he teaches it to you. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. But you still have to pass it on to bring the whole thing to a close. So you use Kamaro's mask to get a piece of heart by teaching the Rosa sisters how to do the dance. Because they're like, oh, this is the greatest dance we've ever seen in our lives. We're going to do this shit at the festival. It's going to be the greatest. Oh, yeah? So they call you Sensei by for teaching them this horrible dance while you're this evil-looking, faceless abomination. And there's actually... A, aren't there a couple of more masks that are attached to the Gorman troop? Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Outside of the outside of Gorman's mask itself, um, I remember that the, um... There... You know the, uh... uh, uh Song of... Sto- the, the windmill guy from Ocarina of Time? Yeah, Guru Guru. Guru Guru. He has an equivalent in Termina who wants to be part of the Gorman troop, but I think he got kicked out, or he yeah. couldn't stay... He, he gets shown up by a little dog. Mm-hmm. And the little dog would wear a mask, and it would parade around, and the other animals would follow it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that sounds like the greatest act I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. So he steals the mask. Uh-huh. And he feels bad about having stolen the mask, so he just gives it to you. Which is fine. It's a cool mask that looks sort of like a chicken. And when you play it, Link sort of marches and plays a spirited marching song that I really like. And you can take that over to Romani Ranch and you'll find the carpenter's son from Ocarina of Time. Only now he's got like a big mohawk. Nice. Big spike mohawk. He's really getting into his own personal style. And all he cares about is taking care of his chicken. And he sees that this moon is coming down. He's one of the characters in the game who recognizes earliest that they're all going to die. But he doesn't care. His only regret is that he didn't get to see them little chickens grow up. And they're real cute little chickens. They're just like little yellow dots that follow you around. So you got to go through this whole sequence where you play the play the song and the little chickens follow you around. And if you get all of them following you around at once, they tr- automatically transform from little chickens into full-blown cuckoos. Nice. And the guy's like, this, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Please take this rabbit hood. And the rabbit hood is the best mask in the game. Yeah, it makes you fast. It makes you fast. That's important. Running real fast. Uh, so that's a connection where we've got like 
three different points on which the Gorman troop, the Gorman brothers, and the Romani Ranch side quests all tie into each other. Yeah. Which also ties into the uh, Anjou and Cafe side quests as well. Yeah, it's all interconnected. So there's very, very, very few quests that aren't, like, or very few masks that aren't connected to all the other masks. Uh... The All Night Mask is mm-hmm. tied into the Anju and Cafe side quest as well because you use it to interact with Anju's grandmother. You just straight up buy that at the Curiosity Shop. Is it like It's like maximum money, right? 500 rupees. That's a lot of fucking rupees. Uh, talk and about the, the Gibdo o- Mask, right? Uh, yeah, we did talk about the Gibdo Mask. Stone uh, Mask. Stone Mask! Which differs between versions. It does. Tell me about the 3DS version. So there's a soldier in the Gerudo Pirates Fortress... If you use the lens of truth to find him, give him some red potions, he'll give you a stone mask. Right. What was he doing there? I think he was just kidnapped. While wearing the stone mask? Or, or It needs to be said for our listeners' sake, just in case they don't know. The stone mask is just like a rock with holes in it that Link puts on his face. And when you wear it, non-boss enemies do not see you. You can walk anywhere and be perfectly safe with the stone mask. It's one of the best ways to get through the pirate fortress. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what he was doing there. In the N64 version, he was just outside of Akana Canyon. It's not really clear what he was doing there either, but he says that he was wounded by monsters that were around, and that's why he's in hiding with the stone mask, and can you heal him, please? And I love the stone mask. It's one of my other favorite masks. It's so silly looking. It's just like a gray, featureless face. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a child. There's maybe. the captain's hat mask, which is like this skull draped over your face. Yeah, and then there's like a rib cage above the skull uh-huh. and then arms sticking out of the rib cage. And beneath all that is a hat. And you can use that to like, and whenever you wear that, the Stalfos that populate Ikana Graveyard, who are demonstrably very silly, stupid people will salute you and get real nervous about talking to you and address you as if you were their captain. Yeah, you get that from beating Captain Kida. Yeah, and if you wear it when talking to the King Ikana, he think he also thinks you're Captain Kida for about 10 seconds before going, how did you get so short? And that's, that's, that's his proof that you're not Captain Kida, that you're too tiny. And I think the last mask that we haven't talked about is Don Jero's mask. Okay. So you tell me about John Jero's mask. So remember the part where you have to pull, put the baby Goron to sleep? Yeah. Well, a bunch of torches will light up in the room. And you gotta use a Deku stick and line up all the remaining torches. And this right. will make a chandelier spin. And then you have to transform into a Goron and rocket yourself off the ledge and break the pots on the chandelier, which will drop some tasty rock sirloin. Then you have to walk that. It's like a, a big giant thing about the size of a powder gag that you yeah. just raise over your head and you have to walk it all the way back to the mountain village and you give it to a shivering hungry Goron who's on the ledge and he'll give you Don Jero's mask. This is such a weird sequence. Uh-huh. Wow. It's a, it's like a frog looking thing that will let you interact with frogs. Yeah. And specific frogs. Yeah. Musical frogs. If you if you get all the frogs together then you get a heart piece. And two of the frogs are actually gecko, right? Yes. The, the the mini boss gecko in the temple. So, in order to complete Don Garrow's mask side quest, you have to kill goat, I think, so that the frogs will all come back. Mm-hmm. Then you have to go around to uh, a few different places to gather up the frogs. Then you have to get halfway through Woodfall Temple and the Great Bay Temple, beat the mini boss, talk to those frogs, then come back 
to uh, the base of Snow Peak, get all the frogs lined up, play a song for them, which is actually, if I remember, a pretty decently challenging reflex game. And your reward for this, which is arguably the most time-consuming, least interesting mask side quest in the entire game, is one hard piece. Well, you know, you help you help some frogs. Make music. Uh-huh. Fuck. You think those frogs don't matter? I would rather be racing the Beaver Brothers. Okay. I like the Beaver Brothers. We got all the masks, Cameron. We got all the masks. We're ready okay, to summon Crystal. the giants. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we have to wait for the clock tower to open, which is on the midnight of the Carnival of Time. Right. And then we go up there, and the Skull Kid says, Ha ha, I'm evil. I'm going to summon the moon. Yep. But then, play the Oath to Order. Yeah! And the giants come from all four corners of the world and take their big old hands and hold up the moon, keeping it from falling. They just used their hands! Uh Uh-huh. It's real heavy. But then... Majora's mask is pissed. Yeah. He's, she's like, the Skull Kid was just a puppet, but now he's useless to me. And then she goes inside the moon, and she takes over the moon, and the moon is stronger, and the giants can barely hold it down. So you and Tassel have to go down to the moon to defeat Majora. And the moon. And the moon. You have to stop the moon. But what's inside the moon? Oh. It's, a, it's, a, it's a field with a big tree, and the sun, and the sky. It is... The first time you see that, I think, is genuinely one of the most surprising things in any Zelda game. For sure. Because as Final Dungeons go, Final Dungeons and Zelda games have a certain feel to them. You've got your Hyrule Castle from Breath of the Wild. You've got Ganon's Castle from Ocarina of Time. You've got the Pyramid from Link to the Past. They're all dark, immediately sinister places. And you get to this place, and it's almost Elysian in its appearance. It could be Paradise. There are five children hanging out around the tree. One is wearing Majora's mask, and he's sitting by himself under the tree. The other four are wearing the masks of the four bosses he defeated. They're running around playing. And these kids look like child versions of the happy mask salesman. Yep. What's the deal? Crystal, what are these kids? I don't know. Who are these kids? Okay, this implies... Okay. This implies some kind of connection between Majora and the Happy Mask Salesman. Okay. More more than just he owned the mask for a while. So we're looking at the real possibility that the Happy Mask Salesman may be a member of that ancient tribe. Possibly, yes. Or even a dark god in his own right. Possibly, yes. There's a lot of possible ways to read this. Like, you could make the argument that that's just like some default child model, but no other child model in the game has quite that same hair. No, it's it's definitely intended to be reminiscent of the Happy Mass Salesman. So, no matter how you read it, these kids, are they real? Or are they just like projections of Majora's Mask. Are you asking if there's actually children living inside the moon? No, no, no. I I mean to ask if they are entities unto themselves. Not children, but things that look like children. I I feel like they're all just projections of Majora. Okay. If that's the case, why do they help you? Why do they do what they do? Why indeed? Maybe on some level Majora wants to be defeated. Maybe. But then that... mm, Do you think that it's significant... That the children wearing the masks that had contained the spirits of the giants are excluding the kid who had who was wearing Majora's mask. I think it is, although it's it's not. E- we don't even really see like active exclusion. Sarah, they're not they're not 
certainly not coming up to the kid and asking him to play but also the kid is not asking them if if he can play yes but that sense of exclusion is just sort of uh what's the word it's just sort of intrinsic to how everything is framed right they're sure. playing and he's not playing with them yeah. does it does it remind you of skull kid yes it is reminiscent of the skull kid is it possible that instead of being something from within majora or the mask itself that this is skull kid's grief that we are seeing and that the last thing that we do in this game is help skull kid set that down maybe maybe these kids look like the happy mask salesman because that was the first true wrong that skull kid did okay and the kid wearing Majora's mask, that's just Skull Kid. And the others wearing the other masks, those are the giants. Okay. And they won't play with him anymore, and he doesn't know how to approach them about it. Oh, I like this. Okay. So what you're really doing when you go through the sequence, because the way that the moon in Majora's mask is set up is that you go through these different mini-dungeons that I found really easy on the N64, but really irritating on the 3DS for some reason. How'd you like that Goron dungeon? I don't want to talk about this. I got through it on my first try without falling ever when I played it back in 2000, believe it or not. So, but, I, re- so I really like that dungeon because the thing is, it's really easy to try to overcorrect on your steering. Yeah. But if you if you just let the Goron go, it'll, it'll steer itself where it needs to go. Yep, you just gotta believe. Gotta have faith. Oh, it's easy to fuck that up, too. And so as you go through these different dungeons, you basically give masks away to the kids. And each kid wants a different amount. Mm -hmm. But over the course of going through all of them, they will take all of your masks. Which mask did you hold on to until the end? Uh, I really like the Bremen mask. Oh, of course, the the couple's mask. Right. Yeah, I, I think I held on to... The couple's mask, but excluding that one, it might have actually been the uh, bunny hood. Of course, that's that's a mainstay. Yeah, and that's something that I really like, and it ties into my larger understanding of the game and how it works. Because these masks represent ways in which you've helped people, mm-hmm. help them to realize their dreams, help them to step away from the grief that they're feeling, help them to get into a place where they can face what's coming, and they won't be able to deal with it because dealing with this circumstance is impossible. It's not something you can ask of people, but they'll go peacefully. And that peace is a thing that is very valuable on its own. And the work that you've put into this is very valuable. You, the, the way that you help them, the act of helping them is valuable. And in giving those masks away, you are giving away the proof of your good work in hopes that it will help you do good work to set down one more person's grief one more time. Mm-hmm. And if, when you give... Go, go ahead. When you give away all 24 of your masks and you speak to the kid sitting by himself under the tree, he will present you with the fierce deity. He asks to play with you. Let me get his exact and, line here. And it, it's couched in sort of adversarial language, but I think it's significant that this person who had set themselves apart from their peers or been set apart asks you to play after you've set down as much burden as you can everyone has gone away haven't they you don't have any masks left do you well let's do something else 
Let's play good guys against bad guys. Yes, let's play that. Are you ready? You're the bad guy. And when you're bad, you just run. That's fine, right? And you get the fierce deity's mask. And I think the fact that it's a transformation mask is very important because every other mask is a symbol. But transformation masks are concrete things that inundate you with all the things that you've done, that the spirit of the mask has experienced. And the fierce deity mask is the collected and concentrated experience of every mask that you've collected up to that point. It is all the work you've done. It is every person you've helped. It is every soul that you've saved on this journey. You think it is an amalgamation of every, every soul you've saved so far? Not literally, but its function in the story is that. Narratively speaking, this is the end point. When the work that you've put in, when the good that you've done translates into power, and re in terms of literal reading of the text, the fierce deity is a god. And it is apart completely from the mass that you gave up for it. But as a function of how Link interacts with the world, it is a culmination of everything he's done up to this point. Absolutely. God damn, that is such a good sequence. Mm -hmm. The end game of this game is so good it makes me mad about other games. Though it is weird that the your reward for all the good work you've done and the power you receive because of that is portrayed in such a not necessarily villainous but scary figure. Well, that's what it is, right? Because once you've helped people as much as you can, as m once you've reached out with kindness in every case and helped every person that kindness can help, sometimes you have to protect them. And sometimes you can't protect people with kindness. And that's sword. what the fierce that's what the fierce deity is. Taking up the sword where an open hand won't do it. Hmm. Which is, in a way, sort of disturbing, but it also rings true to me, almost. Sure. Uh, oh, God, it's good. It's so good. Sometimes you gotta punch a Nazi. Sometimes you gotta punch a fucking Nazi. Uh, when, 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 when I beat the game last, um, I think it may have been the N64 version, I remember going into that fight, the final battle, carrying the fierce deity mask, and thinking, oh, I'll just go through and fight as the regular forms of Link, like Deku Link against the first form, and we'll see how all that goes. Or I'll turn into Zora Link against the first form, and I won't just steamroll the whole thing. And I remember that specifically because I had the masks to be selected, but I couldn't equip them. And I don't know if it was a glitch or not, but that first time for that file where I was fighting Majora's Mask, the only transformation mask I could put on was the Fierce Deity Mask. Hmm. And sometimes I think I may have misremembered that or that it was a glitch, but I like to read it as being a narrative thing where either the mask itself or Link is insistent. Do you think it's significant that the Fierce Deity is just adult Link? Yes, though I'm not quite sure how. It, the yeah. mask is plainly of adult Link with some tattoos. It's like, suppose that the mask itself is actually created by the other masks. Hmm. That it is Link and the work he's put in and his resolve as much as anything. What does the flavor text of the Fierce Deity mask say? Could this mask's dark powers be as bad as Majora? That's all it says? Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say no, because Majora's mask is a, the game is... A story about 
helping people deal with darkness, right? Mm -hmm. The things they experience. And it's about taking that grief and that darkness into yourself and using it to do something good. So the dark powers of the fierce deity would be the darkest of them all because it's so much pain and sorrow and grief, but it's also hope, and you can use it to fight the devil. So in the same way that the other transformation masks involve you taking on the pain of Darmani and Macau and the Deku Butler's son, you here you are taking on all of the pain that Link has helped to heal. Yes, Cafe and Anju and the Deku Butler himself and Gorman and everyone all at once. And then it, you just steamroll the shit out of Majora completely. Then why does, why does the kid give this mask to you? I th- I don't have a good answer to that that doesn't extend for my interpretation where the kid might be a manifestation of Skull Kid's grief. Because if it is Skull Kid on some level, then it makes sense to me that Skull Kid would want to help bring down Majora and right the wrongs that he committed. Hmm. Why do you think? It so completely trivializes the fight that it... If it didn't completely trivialize the fight, I might say something like, oh, Majora wants to face you at full power for it to be a real fight. But no, if you get this mask, you're gonna win. This is almost like suicide. Yeah. Huh. So maybe it's like in seeing all of these masks and understanding the things that you've done and being able to see the grief inside of them, Majora sees that power and knows that... Not only did they cause all that grief, but they can't respond to the person who carries it around. And they seek their own destruction. Before the fight, the kid still calls you the bad guy. Yeah, that's true. What does that mean? And when you're bad, you just run? Well, I mean, that's like tag, right? Or that kind of feels almost in reference to the old story, where uh, the imp was forced to run away because it was a bad guy. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, so oh, this is another thing that suggests that Majora may have been the imp. Hmm, maybe. Huh, okay. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, you mentioned before that you have a bit of a theory about the identity of Majora. Did, did I? Y- yes, with regards to the similarities between eye designs. Oh, yes. There is a plain similarity between the fused shadow of Twilight Princess and the Majora's Mask, mostly in the eye design. Right. I don't know what this means, necessarily. It could imply some connection between the Dark Interlopers and the ancient tribe that used Majora's Mask. That would make sense. But I think I'd probably rather keep them separate. I think I really would rather keep them separate. Maybe counterparts at, at most. For what it's worth, I think it's actually been mentioned that Majora's Mask and the fused shadow were designed by the same person. Mm -hmm. And when the similarity between the eyes was pointed out, they said, oh, I never noticed. Uh, There is also old art of Ganondorf and Twilight Princess that did not make it into the final design, in which he has a Majora's Mask-like pattern on his chest. That's pretty cool. Yeah. In a lot of ways, Majora isn't a standard Zelda, vil- Zelda villain or even a standard villainous force in general. They're almost like a force of nature. But when you understand them as existing in the context of causing all the grief that you're helping to heal, I think they're really, really effective. We could, we could analyze this whole sequence for a million hours. It's so good. God. that is that the best ending sequence in a Zelda game? It's pretty good. Like, there's some ways in which the battle itself isn't great, but thematically... That has to be near the top in terms of how it works. 
Can we talk about the nature of Majora's various incarnations? Please, 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 please. Okay, so the fight starts with just a mask floating. It's got some tentacles, I guess. Yeah. And then... It shoots a laser. Yeah. And then it transforms into Majora's incarnation, in which the mask serves as a torso, and there's an eye popping out of the top, and there's arms and legs. And this uh, version seems very like childlike almost it's like skipping around and laughing in a high-pitched voice and dancing yeah and then everything finally there's majora's wrath which is a a humanoid figure with a demonic face and an eye sticking out of the top of that and then majora's mask still serves as the torso majora's wrath is freaky looking yeah it's like all exposed like when you when you see majora's incarnation it looks like it's made out of twisted ropes almost but when it expands in the transformation into majora's wrath and that whole head comes up it stops looking like a zelda monster and it starts looking like a beast with no skin that has exposed rainbow colored musculature yeah, especially in that torso area that's like all that rainbow strings. Yeah, and it, uh, that effect hits in its face too because it has a space where eyes should be, but it has no eyes except in its chest. Uh-huh. Oh, it's a horrifying thing, and it has these huge what look like flesh whips. Uh-huh. Oh man, that thing is fucked up. Now it it seems like they're like uh. Just progressions in terms of how much power the mask is channeling. Like, it's unleashing more and more as the fight goes on. But do you really any significance into the shape themselves? Hmm. I don't know. The mask is becoming progressively more human. Is it? Yeah, it goes from a mask to this caricature of a human to this skinless human. Yeah. So do you think that Majora's true shape is what we see in Majora's Wrath. I don't know that I'd say that, because is that, just... that is the shape of Majora's Wrath, just as the previous right. one was the shape of Majora's Incarnation. Mm. I don't know what Majora's true form would be, or maybe the true form is just the mask, because the mask is still the base of all the other forms. Maybe. Oh, what a freaky-looking monster, though. Is there anything else we need to touch on regarding Majora's different forms? Majora? What? Who's Majora? Who is Majora? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a few different ways to read it, I guess. You can either view it in the context of the rest of the series, which opens up to a lot of possibilities, or you can read it just within the context of Majora's Mask itself. I think that Majora is an evil spirit generated by the harm done in the act of evil sacrifice done for evil magic. It is an incarnation of harm done to people. Sort of the opposite number of the fierce deity being an incarnation of healing. Both born from grief, but very different directions. But you could also, if you like to see patterns repeated in all the games and try to read each as being related to the other, I suppose you could see Majora as a member of the demon tribe, Demise's demon tribe, a cousin of Demise that was worshipped in Termina before the giant sealed it away inside of a mask. How do you feel about that Majora's Mask manga where Majora is is a dragon that Link killed and carved into a mask? You know, I haven't actually read that. I should read each of these manga before we do these podcasts because, wait, hold on. A dragon that got carved into a mask? Yeah, like it's bones. That's metal as hell. Uh-huh. 
It's also relentlessly goofy. Why is it a dragon? I don't know. Dragons are powerful. Are they evil? No, but this one was. Dragons are generally pretty chill. Was it like a western-style dragon? Uh, you know what? This dragon actually wasn't even evil. It just guarded an empty, timeless land. But many humans came to try to fight it to use its bones for armor. So the act of murdering it made the mask evil? The Link character takes a drum from his bag and begins to play, telling Majora to dance. Majora dances furiously for three days and nights, and as he dances, time is born. On the fourth day, the dragon dies, as do all creatures for whom time passes, leaving behind only his armor, and the neither dead nor living land is destroyed. The man then carves a mask from the creature's magic armor into what came to be known as Majora's Mask, hoping to seal its power forever. Huh. Hmm. I, I should read that. That sounds interesting, but it also sounds completely unrelated to the game. Yeah, I, same. I, I would not want to relate that to the game in any way, but that sounds like a story I'd also like to experience. I just huh. I, I just don't know how to distinguish the entity of Majora from the Skull Kid's own grief. Yeah, Because Majora is does have independent thought. But it develops over time. When the Skull Kid first puts it on, He's not immediately taken over by it. Oh, okay. Suppose that Majora's Mask is like potential. Okay. It's potential. It's like this big vessel that was carved out by black magic. And when the Skull Kid puts it on, he starts to fill it up with his own heartbreak. Oh, okay. And it becomes something else as he wears it. I like this a lot. Something that's bigger than he is. So he and that's he kind of fills it up with his own bad feelings, and then they grow so powerful they have a will of their own. Yes. Okay, I'm willing to go with that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. That was oh, huh. I didn't think about that at all before I said it, but I kind of like it. And then the fierce deity is Link's good helping feelings. Yeah, a channel towards violence, so it's scary. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Talk about the ending. Cool. Oh, that ending! This is a good ass ending. It's a good ass ending. Tell me the ending. So you defeat Majora's Wrath, right? And there's a big shakiness, and the moon shake, and then it goes back up towards the sky, right? And then the four giants sing a little song to their friend, the Skull Kid, and the Skull Kid just kind of looks at the ground and shakes. Seems to be going through a tough emotional time. He says something there, doesn't he? He says something like. you guys, you hadn't forgotten about me? You still oh. thought of me as a friend? Oh my god. A poor baby. Oh. Damn it. It's all kind of fucked up. And then the giants leave to go back to protect the four worlds. And then the uh, happy mask salesman appears in the same field that you and the Skull Kid are hanging out in. And he says, oh, so the evil has left the mask after all. So this kind of tracks with your idea that the mask just starts as a vessel link has defeated all of the bad feelings that the skull kid put in it yeah and maybe he's ruined it as a vessel in the first place maybe maybe now it's just a powerless mass yeah just a piece of wood that looks scary and the happy mass salesman says i must bid you farewell but whenever the parting need not last forever whether parting be forever or merely for a short time as up to you but you have managed to make quite a number of people happy. The masks that you have are filled with happiness. This is truly a good happiness. That is like the most Nintendo possible line that could ever be written. This is truly a good happiness? Yes. Uh, the masks you have are filled with happiness. It's like that 
feels like an explanation that Aonuma or Miyamoto would give about how the game works. Mm-hmm. That's their thematic explanation. And then he walks away and just disappears into nothingness as he walks away. Of course he does. And then the Skull Kid sniffs to you like, hey, you kind of smell like that fairy kid who taught me that song in the woods. Friends are a nice thing to have. <laughs> Poor Skull Kid. Well, you're friends now. Yeah. But then the well, carnival starts and fireworks go off. Are you watching the ending? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. That's not fair. Okay, sorry. Oh, you can keep going. It's fine. And, you know, it's the happy music plays, and it's going all around the world of Termina, showing how all the side quests you did happened, even if you didn't do them in this cycle. Let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So the ending assumes a certain chronological synchronicity. That's a good word. Where everything that you've done, every good that you've done, over the course of those three days, over and over and over, it all comes together. So every good is done simultaneously. Proof through your masks that it was done, which is very confusing. This feels like divine intervention from the goddess of time. I think that's a fair reading of it. Like every time you did one of those quests, she scooped up that moment in time and took it outside time. And then once you killed Majora, she smacked it all together. That makes a certain amount of sense i could definitely see that as happening that way um it's very clear though that however this works it's completely apart from how time works through the rest of the game so something special is happening as you leave but yeah that's 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 one of the coolest things i think because it shows you all the good that you've done i I really like seeing cafe and angel get married yeah, even though you can't see Cafe's face. That's fine. It's rooted in Cafe's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also an interesting choice because it's the second time that the game links the player's perspective to Cafe. Huh. It's almost like he's a secondary playable character, period. It does give some credence to the idea that he's the Terminian Link. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Now all the cuckoo lady shippers have more ammo. But then, after the happy wedding, goes to the Deku butler, and he's found oh, God his son, damn it. and he's and he's he's breaking down, crying in front of the tree. Yeah, yeah, he is. It's like the most tragic thing in there. And then he goes and like, through the the wood tunnel into the lost woods. You're still watching the ending, uh-huh. and Link is riding through the lost woods, but he's he no longer looks dejected in the same way he did at the beginning he's sitting up straight with his head held high he's looking at the sun shining through the trees and then the camera pans over to a little piece of little tree stump there's a drawing of skull kid and the two fairies and link and the four giants and they're all happy friends the end that's a good ending i like that it really speaks to the depths of forgiveness in this series as long as you can blame it on the devil well the devil was created by the skull yeah but it wasn't like you could say that he wasn't super at fault for that. Yeah, there's some mask. It's all the happy mask salesman fault for taking the mask from hiding place. Gods are dicks. Uh, yeah, it is weird how the Skull Kid is perhaps the most destructive villain in the series, but also ultimately is forgiven at the end. Yeah. So I and I think that's okay because it's separate from him, right? And everything. It's not that everything turns out okay, but it's also understood that. He never would have done this if he hadn't gotten access to power that he never should have had and that grew apart from him completely. Yes. So there's no real good, there's no good moral equivalent to this in the real world. 
Uh-huh. But it's a nice little story. I like it. Well, here's the thing, Cameron. Termin is a world created by the Skull Kid using the power of Majora's Mask, based on his own memories and wishful thinking slash imagination, a la Kaholnit Island, and similarities between Hyrule and Termina. The giants, also created by the Mask, are the representations of the spirits that Skull Kid has a deep connection with, but left. The dawn of the new day is pretty much a reflection on Skull Kid's mental state, and he accepted that people can still be friends even if they are far apart. Since Skull Kid is now happy and the Mask is rid of all evil power, the moment Link leaves Termina, the land ceases to exist. Also, it seems that the Skull Kid learned Saria's song directly from Saria, and the origin of the mask is not specified. Could be Hyrule, at least not from Termina. Huh. That is from the Hyrule Encyclopedia that came out earlier this year in Japan. Uh, it was all a dream, Cameron. I, I've never gotten a nosebleed from listening to someone talk before, but here I am. Uh-huh. Oh, no, wait, that's coming out of my fucking ears! So, uh... We're just going to ignore all that. I think we probably are. This is one of those special times that we will selectively interpret canon according to what we do or do not think makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all on several levels. Yeah, it. Um, I don't think Skull Kid ever met Twin Rova for one. Uh, I'm not even going to address it that way. That is not worth addressing. But I'm, everyone who's listening to this podcast, you have special permission to ignore the Hyrule Encyclopedia, or Hyrule Historia in places where they run counter to what you understand the games to be about. That's okay. You want to answer some questions, Cameron? Uh, I'm still kind of reeling over that, because it, like, even the idea that Link, like, that Link is going through purgatory, that almost reads better than the idea that it was all Skull Kid's dream. It does. Yeah, I agree with you, yes. Like, setting, like, at least it thematically makes sense for coming to terms with your grief and setting that down and being able to move on and it's like okay now things are okay and everything's all right but this dream thing what the fuck is with that dream type it's a it's a bad entry into the hyrule inside okay is the rest of the encyclopedia any good oh uh, no i don't know maybe i haven't actually read it okay. it's also well, the same one that introduces the idea that the oracles take place uh well after link's awakening uh oh uh. We can discuss that in the Oracle game discussion. I still need to finish Oracle of Seasons. Cameron, answer some questions. Where can people send us questions? If you want to send questions, you can send it to us on Twitter, either at Arcane Crystal or at Cam Writer. But you can also send us longer form questions at this podcast email at Book of Majora Podcast at gmail.com. Once more, Book of Medora podcast at gmail.com. You definitely said Book of Majora the first time. Well, that just stands to reason, doesn't okay. it? Okay, here's our first email from Cast Market. Hi, I want to introduce you to a new tool for podcasters. It's called Cast Market. It helps you track important information about your audience, including a history of how popular sh- your show is around the world. Yeah, I think you almost had it with that slip. Uh, oh, wait, this isn't a question at all. This is an advertisement. This is an advertisement. Okay. Hmm. That means we've made it big. Yeah. Well, how about this question? Do you think any slash all links wrote their name on the Master Sword? Signed, Cameron's wife. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, it's a strong question. I, I don't think Link would desecrate the Holy Master Sword with his name. It's one no. thing if it's just some sword. This is the Master Sword. What does Link know about the Master Sword that he doesn't know about the ultimate sword from Link's Awakening? That's also plainly a very special holy kind of sword. Yeah, but that's his sword. I think this stupid... I think Link's to the past Link specifically may have written his name on the Master Sword so people would know that he's the one carrying it at the time. Is that why it was never used again? I'm going to say yes. 
No, and so it, the Master like, Sword does not forever. belong to Link. He's just borrowing it. In a lot of ways, none of the swords really belong to Link. The the seashell sword didn't belong to him. He didn't keep it when he left the island. Well, I mean, it wasn't real. So. Yeah. Oh, wasn't it the, the starting sword from A Link to the Past that he got from his uncle? Uh, let's see. I, I think that's probably the sword that he had at the beginning of Link's Awakening. He definitely wrote his name on several swords. Okay. But he, like, you say he wouldn't desecrate the Master's Sword, but he did have a couple of literal dwarves pound on it until it turned red. Well, that's just to make it stronger. How are you going to make a perfect god-powered sword stronger? I guess by having dwarves pound on it with hammers. <laughs> they should, they uh, should do that again. They really shouldn't. They really should. They really should not, unless they give a better explanation than it just being hammers. I don't want to see that shit no more. He, they made the metal better. No! God, they tried to do that in Link Between Worlds, and it was still silly there. Okay. Do any all links? But yeah, but what about other links? Um, Wind Waker Link might do it, but not on the Master Sword. I don't think any of them would do it on the Master Sword. No? No. No, why not? It, it doesn't belong to them. What do you mean? Wind Waker Link only lets go of the Master Sword because he left it in Ganon's head. But if the Master Sword is just something you borrow in times of need, and then you put it back in its resting place. Nobody tells Link that. Ocarina of Time Link gives it up. Yeah, and but to the Wind past Waker Link, Link? And Link Between Worlds Link. Sure. But Wind Waker Link, I, are you telling me that you can't imagine the King of Red Lions looking on disapprovingly as Link scribbles his name on the hilt of the Master Sword? Okay, I actually can imagine. Yeah, that's right. He, he wouldn't understand how important it is because he's not from not, Hyrule. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, yeah, I like this a lot. Okay. Yeah, that's what happened. Wind Waker Link did it. Wind Waker Link totally did Anyone it. Anyone else? What about the Four Sword? Um, Pretty much... Any of the Capcom links definitely did it. Okay, okay. They wrote their names on all their swords. Um, four Sword. Did they get the Master Sword in that game? It's just the Four Sword, just right? Just the Four Sword. I mean, they might as well write their name on it. They're the only ones who ever, like, turn into four people. Sure. And, um, let's see. There's got to be some kind of shipping joke I can make about Skyward Sword, but it's not coming to me. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, let's, we have some we have some questions from Twitter. Yeah, Twitter questions. Yeah, I'll read the Twitter question. Okay, let's read from okay. the bottom up. Okay, from the bottom up. There I go. I'm going to get this next one. This is from Jacob. I don't have questions so much as I have a bunch of feelings about the fate of the Deku Butler's son. Has anyone in the Zelda series ever got a rawer deal than the Deku Butler's son? Well. Mm-hmm. Mikau? Uh, Darmani, possibly. Mm-hmm. Those are raw deals. Um... I feel bad for Mifa. Mifa, yeah. That's pretty raw. Uh, Actually, all the champions got it pretty raw. Really, anyone, any random person who died. All of Hyrule's soldiers in Ocarina of Time. Uh Uh-huh. The entire society of Hyrule in Breath of the Wild, I guess. Right. Uh, Yeah, but the Deku Butler's son, you know, he's dead. Being dead sucks. Yeah. His dad has to deal with the grief, and in some ways that sucks a lot, too. It's no good. I don't know. I, I might feel worse about the Deku Butler's son if we had to help him come to terms with it in a way that involved conversation and seeing how his dreams didn't go fulfilled. Oh, I think that might be too like, much. Yeah, maybe. I think that's probably why they saved it for Darmani and Macau. What if they had a cutscene where it just showed the the Deku Butler's son frolicking in the woods and then for no reason his soul gets sucked out? 
and grab the <laughs> lake. What if the instead of just waving goodbye to the big spirit of the Deku as it goes away in the beginning, you get this completely contextless scene where it's playing happily with the Deku butler, but you have no idea who that is yet. Oh, that'd be cool. And it's like, it shows little scenes from the Deku's life, and you see all these things that it got to do and all of its little happinesses, but it never got to fulfill so many things. That would be sad. But yeah, I, I don't think anyone gets a rawer deal than the Deku butler's son, but lots of people in Zelda get murdered. Yeah. And some of them both get murdered and feel sad about it. Mm-hmm. You take the next okay. one. This is from Frankie Garza. This is my favorite Zelda game. Why is it so hated by others or called not a real Zelda game? Frankie, where do you hang out that people hate on Majora's Mask? I mean, if it was 2002, a lot of people hate Majora's Mask. Yeah, but I think since then, there's definitely been like an upsurge in its popularity and perceived relative quality, and it's never gone down. Jeff Gerstmann hates it. Jeff Gerstmann is a very high-profile video game critic who I don't really care about his Zelda opinion. I, I, Majora's Mask is my favorite video game, but I like hearing him rant about how Majora's Mask sucks. Why is that? I don't know. He's an entertaining video gamesman. I guess that's fair. I, I have similar feelings about some games where I like them so much that I can listen to people just take big dookies on them and not particularly care. That's why I am with Skyward Sword. I can listen to people rave about how bad Skyward Sword is. But I don't think Ed Majora's Mask is actually that hated, generally. I as for why it's not called for why it's called not a real Zelda game, uh, I mean it's pretty atypical. It is a guy den. It's probably the biggest deviation from the progression formula of any three D Zelda outside of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And even like Breath of five. the Wild was kind of trying to reclaim Zelda 1, at least. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's it's by far the most different from Ocarina of Time, rather. Sure, yeah, I'd say that. Majora did something so different so immediately that it gave some people whiplash because they didn't want a sequel to Ocarina. They just wanted Ocarina again, and this is a real sequel. Well, <sighs> I mean, it is and it isn't, because it does star that Link, but also it has nothing to do with the events of Ocarina, really. Yeah, but you can still have a sequel like that. This is a sequel that does its own thing. I guess I shouldn't say real sequel, but it's a very specific kind of sequel. Yeah, I would think sequel more in the sense of Phantom Hourglass, where it, it is the whole setup of that game is continuing off the end of uh, Wind Waker in a way that it only could from the end of Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. this game, they could make it a standalone game if they really wanted to. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but uh, Sorry, go, go ahead. Cameron? No, Crystal, go ahead. Uh, no, you go on. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say, it's like, no, Frankie, don't worry about it. Like, if you just want to hear that you've got solidarity, with you got two people right here who love this game a lot. And people, if they poop on it, it's because they've got tastes that just differ so much that it's difficult for me to understand. I've kind of gone the other way on it almost, where I get a bit annoyed by very militant Majora's Mask fans. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. People, eh, yeah, I, I, militant fans in general bother me, yeah. but that's, this in particular is something egregious because Majora's Mask, like Majora's Mask again, is all that those fans ever ask for. Yeah. It's like, what do you want? Well, I want them to take Breath of the Wild 
but I want them to Majora's Mask it. Yeah, I, I don't want Majora's Mask to. Oh, man. that mm-mm. No, Majora's Mask is beautiful, at least partially, because it's so unique. And I would rather them make another really unique, cool Zelda game that's like that, where each Zelda game continues to have its own very distinct identity. Yeah. Uh, God, the worst is when people are like, Ocarina is boring trash, but Majora's Mask... That's when it got good. Jesus, God hell. Yeah, like, no, everything in Majora's Mask is built on top of what was there in Ocarina, other than yeah. story-wise. It's sort of like, uh, my partner says that part of what makes Majora's Mask in the running for her favorite Zelda game is that on its own, it's really great. It's a, In some ways, it's a much better game than Ocarina of Time, but... So much of what makes it great is derived from our understanding of Ocarina of Time, how it worked, how that world was, the characters that ran around in it, the way you're supposed to interact with certain things emotionally, that even if you try to view things in a ba- in a vacuum and conclude that Majora's Mask is the better game, which, you know, fair, you, I think you could maybe argue that point, but that's a fair stance to take, you can't divorce the two of them so much that you can call Ocarina of Time bad while still calling Majora good. I guess you could. And, but they're, they're really intrinsically tied together to me. Yeah, I agree. As, as experiences. The next question is also from Frankie. Lore question. Are there any other games set in the timeline after Majora's Mask? Yeah, uh, Twilight Princess and Four Swords Adventures. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to crank that back to just Twilight Princess uh, from would. my understanding. What? You would. Yeah, I would, actually. And you're, before we're finished, I'll make you do it too. You're getting me uh, on your side for sure. I'm, I'm trying real hard, but yes, but, okay, definitely Twilight Princess for sure. Twilight Princess concretely takes place after, like when they finished building the skeleton of Twilight Princess and decided to add a narrative to it. One of the things that they decided was that this game would take place sometime after Majora's Mask. Okay. So that's that's the long and short of it. The Hero's Shade of Twilight Princess is the dead spirit of Link from Majora's Mask. They made three sequels to Ocarina of Time. They did. That's a lot of sequels for one game. Which do you think was the sequel that acted best as a sequel? Um, Wind Waker. Uh, that's a really strong pick, Crystal. I can't argue with that reasoning. Uh, like as, Especially as like a direct sequel to it. Mm, I'm really looking forward to the Wind Waker episode. That's going to be so cool. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I love everything. This one's from Mothy. The 3DS remake gave all the bosses big, creepy eyeballs. Does that mean they're supposed to be aspects of Majora, or is it just for gameplay? We talked about this a bit. I think it's both. Yeah. It's first for gameplay, but it does definitely create the understanding that they're constructs of Majora's power, or else that they're infused with Majora in some way. They definitely made the eyeballs to evoke the eyes of Majora's Mask. Yeah, it's 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 impossible to get away from that motif when you're talking about Majora's Mask and the bosses in this game. I guess that was a pretty short answer, but that's pretty much everything, right? Yeah. Okay, so this next one is from Jasmine Marsh. Thoughts on the five regions equal stages of grief theory? The Tower to Heaven disrespects Triforce, ergo the inversion leads to Twin Mold Hell. Uh, have you heard of the five regions stages of grief theory? I have not. Okay, so is, let me pull Is it. that related to Link being dead? Some people do, but I think you can do it without that. Okay. So the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. This is kind of outmoded, isn't it? Yes. This isn't actually a real thing, but it's used okay. in pop culture. 
Uh, so denial is represented by Clock Town. We talked about how you know the music kind of represents them desperately denying that the moon is falling, and that's represented by the characters day. as well. Yeah, anger is the swamp because the king's very angry to the point where he's being completely unreasonable. Uh, bargaining is supposed to be represented by the uh, the Gorons. This one's kind of sketchy but i guess they're like oh if only our hero darmani could come back okay yeah uh then depression is the zora because uh it's super depressing well no what's god who's rudo's name again lulu lulu yeah lulu is just like completely catatonic uh and then acceptance is ikana because i don't know the king is accepting of his fate he is actually he's pretty chill at the end yeah so yeah, that, that does kind of roughly line up, I guess. I don't know that that's actually a theory so much as it is a thematic reading. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that this game is so much about grief and dealing with these things that if you take emotions that are related, you could also arrange them in any order you want and find those same things in there. Definitely. Like if we took acceptance as being about Clock Town and it instantly cafe and anju at the very end comes up yeah yeah um so it's it's a it's definitely a reading that you could do but i think that it's a weakness of it is that it's a bit too generalized and easy to apply to too much of it if you want to do a reading of the regions as grief it needs to be retooled into something a little bit more specific Yep, agreed. That's pretty much it. But what if it's Link trying to get over the grief of his own death? Oh, honey, I don't... don't We talked a bit about the Tower to Heaven disrespects Triforce inversion leads to hell. To Twin Mold Hell. Twin Mold Hell. I'm not sure how to... Hmm. So the idea is that in flipping it, you're flipping it like the gods would have flipped it as punishment? Yeah. Okay, um, I can kind of see that, but at the same time, the Triforce gods don't do that kind of thing. Yeah, they're pretty removed from the world. They, it's not even that they don't care. It's just they're so far removed and so far above that the things that they care about, the values that they have, make no sense to us. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's a cool idea. I think it creates some really good um, imagery. And I think that it's echoed in interesting ways in later games of the series like Skyward Sword. But I don't know that it's enough to be read as concrete in the lore yeah i agree yeah uh, it is uh, fun to read this kind of like a tower but yeah that that is that's pretty fun. uh cass has a question i've heard people mention the temples blaspheme the triforce gods is there any truth to that i mean they do lick the triforce that's a thing and they squat on yeah. it they squat and lick at the same time yeah if, if we're gonna go with they're at war with hyrule that could be a thing they did that does seem to be like a pretty basic blasphemy going on there i'd give that a yes Yep. It's not clear why or to what purpose or if it even does anything in particular or says anything about the setting. But yeah, I, I'd say they very specifically do blasphemy. Yeah, I, I can go that far. Uh, I, I don't think Dine Ruin Ferrari would actually give a shit, though. No, no. God, can you imagine? It's like they they would be like uh, every time somebody... You know how KC Green still gets a lot of people on Twitter telling him when people reference the uh, This Is Fine dog? Uh-huh. And he's always like, I don't care. <laughs> that would be that would be the Triforce gods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, and Kaz writes in, Do y'all have a preference between the versions? Bomber's Notebook is better on 3DS, but I hate the changes made to Zora movement re-magic use. 
What do you think, Crystal? I it sucks that there's no definitive version because I feel like the Ocarina remake was pretty much perfect. But I'd probably still go with Majora 3DS. Um, yeah, I could see that. Uh, the only downside to Ocarina to me was the color palette and the way that the lighting worked. And in the broad scheme of things, including how much better it felt to use the bow, that's a really small complaint. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, aesthetics are really important to me personally, so I care about that more than most people. But Majora's Mask 3DS compounds the same aesthetic complaints on top of other things. Like, uh, I, I'm not alone in this, but I know I'm in the major, like, the extreme minority when I say that I prefer the necessity of turning back time to save the game and you just have like save states that you can use to put the game into sleep mode with the owl stones instead of using them as save points because i like that every time you load the game up after doing something it starts on day one yeah like that just feels really good and it's not convenient but it's one of those cases where convenience that runs uh counter to design is something that i would sooner give up and that particular bit of design feels so good to me and i hate most of the new bosses yeah just yeah god maybe they'll remake it again i hope that they don't well why not i i think it would be okay if they just took this version kicked it up to 1080p and put it on the switch or something sure that would be fun i like that i am still waiting for the day that they re-remake pokemon red i feel like it's coming soon well i mean don't they have to remake diamond and pearl first they don't have to they don't have to do that first oh come on yeah, we'll probably do that about 2020 or so. I want Cynthia. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be Gen 8. It's not Gen 8 yet. Cynthia's great. Cynthia's good. But... She's still the best champion. I don't know if I'd say that. Well, who would you say is better? Blue. Uh, yeah, he would be the other pick. Blue's my second, but Cynthia's still my first. Blue does have the best battle thing. Oh, yeah. Pokemon but Gold has Cynth- the best final boss of any video game. Ah, uh, hmm. No. No, I'm not going with that Why one. Why not? But it's, 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 it, it would definitely make any top best game boss lists, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see, next question. So, so yeah, uh, Crystal prefers the 3DS version. I actually still prefer the N64 version, but with caveats. Okay. Uh, wait, whose turn is it to read? It's yours. Okay. Jasmine Marsh sends in this question. What game would you most like to see given a short, tightly scripted Groundhog Day loop of a week treatment, and in terms of memorable NPCs? So, if I understand, this is asking what game that already exists we would like to be able to change a very tightly scripted Majora's Mask style character interaction bits. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the Zelda games have characters in them that I would really like to do this with. Like if, if, if you could do that with Breath of the Wild, like just the size of that game and the opportunities that it creates for how different characters can interact and being able to like talk to the champions and their families, that would be really good. Um, but, but would you want to do a, a time loop for that too? Oh, I mean, that's pretty much like the only way they can handle having that kind of content density, right? Not necessarily. The time loop. No? You could just you could just play through it like that. Like Shenmue kind of does that. Shenmue. Sh- Shenmue. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, here's the other thing though. Majora's Mask, structurally speaking, has one big advantage over the other Zelda games. And I'm super mad that... Breath of the Wild didn't pick up on this in some way, is that you can redo anything you want to do in it. Yep. Whenever you want, in any way that you want. Yep. Like, the fact that they brought back uh, the ability to refight bosses in Ocarina of Time 3D, that was big. The boss rush mode in Skyward Sword, that was big too. 
but Majora's Mask is the only Zelda game in the series that lets you redo entire quests that you really like. And it feels like the quests were designed around that. They were meaty and they were resonant in a way that you would want to do them multiple times just to see them over and over again. Yeah, it's really cool how you can just replay the whole game. And you can see all the best bits, like redoing the couple's mask before going on to the moon feels so perfect at least partially because you could do it over and over again and i think that being able to design a game with that same meatiness the same ability to do it over and over in any setting would be really cool like that's why i think that interacting with breath of the wild characters would be super cool for that maybe take like a, a, a prequel to this game it's like i don't fucking know just something like that or it could be cool in skyward sword what what game would you like to see given that treatment uh i don't know i i don't know if i want any game to do it necessarily okay that's a perfectly valid answer i would like more side quests of the density in this game yeah it's always really good sonic the hedgehog i'm deleting this question i'm sorry, I'm sorry jasmine we've reached the okay, end sure. but uh yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It makes me rethink how we approach the narrative for some of these games. You ever played and Life is, is Strange? Oh, um, I did not play it. I watched part of an LP of it. It seems really interesting. Yeah, there's time loopy aspects to that. I got up to the sad bit. Well, there's lots of sad bits. No, I got up to the sad, sad bit. I, I literally have no idea what you're referring to. Um, well, I guess if you... I'm talking about the bit where you kill Chloe with the cancer... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm. That was a sad bit. Yeah, that was sad. I, I call that, in some ways, the saddest bit, but that's partially down to personal history. Let's Total uh, illness sucks. Um, are we done with this question? Yeah, I think we're done with this question. Okay. <clears throat> the next question also comes from Jasmine. Yo, WTF was with the sexism, with the fucking hook shot, get shit, by the way. Like, fucking come on, minty tendons. <clears throat> uh, as I understand it, this question is asking why there is this undercurrent of misogyny for the sequence in which you get the hookshot. Crystal, could you remind me how you get the hookshot? You go to the Gerudo Fortress, and you get thrown yep. in the cell. Then you shoot the, a beehive that's in there for some reason with the bow. And then the, the Gerudos are all like, ah, bees, and they run away. And then you get out. Oh, okay. So it's basically taking the... Uh, is it, so what I, if I understand what's being said is that it's making these badass scary pirates into jokes by having them scared of bees yeah kind of a little bit so it's the same thing as like how bokoblins and breath of the wild are jokes because they also run away from bees uh -huh. um yeah that scene never really struck me as very good because it robs them of all dignity yeah they're not scary anymore. yeah it's like and even up to that point it's like i've never felt super comfortable fighting the gerudo in the first place but that one in particular, that one scene, it's, it's not good. It's not really a good scene. There's all kind of ways you could have gotten them out of the room, like just have them all decide to walk out. Yeah, you could have done that. Or you could have started a fire in another part of the fortress or something. Could have done that. There's a lot of answers that didn't have to involve them getting chased out comedically by bees. Yeah. I'm sure you could have even come up with silly answers that would still, like, maintain dignity for the villains in question. What if they broke a nail? Oh, uh, well, it does hurt when you break a nail. It's not, it's not a fun time. No, no. But in this case, it would undoubtedly be, like, a broken nail that doesn't actually come all the way down to the cuticle. Ugh. So it's just, like, they get out the clippers and they clip it and they go back to what they were talking about. Um, I don't know. It wasn't a great scene. The... I, I think that's all the questions hey, really Nintendo? asking. Nintendo? some problems. Yeah. I feel like... Uh, They've gotten better about the Gerudo over time, but it's easy to look... Better in some ways, worse in other ways. Um, 
the stuff around the Gerudo has definitely gotten worse in other ways, but I'd say that generally the Gerudo are still like better than when they started in Ocarina of Time. Sure. Generally. Um, but it, boy, that is pretty, that's a cringeworthy little scene. Herbosa's good. Reach's good. Yep. That's definitely true. I like almost all the actual Gerudo characters. Yeah, they're all good. Like, yeah, they're good characters. Uh, let's see. Are we are we done with this question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think this next one's yours. This one's from that dude over there. What would you do if you found yourself caught in a time loop? I would get a lot of reading done. But would you remember everything you read? I assume that if you're in a time loop, it's like a Groundhog Day style time loop where you remember everything. Yeah, reading's reading's a good one because if you play video games, your saves would be erased. Yeah, that's no good mm-hmm. unless you're playing games that don't save properly, like arcade titles. But yeah, I that I would probably like get a lot of reading done. Um, I would go out and do things that I would never do normally in life. I take a lot of risks. Is this where we saying this is the kind of Groundhog Day time loop where if you die, you wake up? Um, sure. So Link can't get away with dying. I guess. What would you do in a time loop? Oh, I'd sleep so much. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I wouldn't go to work. Yeah, why would you go to work? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd probably, like, take my partner out to a different nice place to eat every night. Oh, but would she remember the time loop? No, oh. and every day I would have to explain it to her. Okay, it's like 51st dates. Uh, I was going to say it's more like Groundhog Day. Sure. I've never, uh, 50, mm, boy, 51st dates, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, I think the best use of my time is probably reading. Reading's good for Read. you. You can read. What so would much. happen if after you read all the books? All the books in the world. Well, I hope the time loop wouldn't last that long. I, at a certain point, I go, okay, how do I get out of this time loop? And I, I guess the whole story would end in me killing God. I guess. Sure. Yeah, that's what they did sure. in Groundhog Day. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. How did Groundhog Day end? Uh, he eventually reached some sort of growth, a maturation, and he broke the time. loop. I see. He stopped being a shipper. Yeah. Uh, I guess I w- the first thing I would do after getting a little bit of extra reading done is take a real long, hard look at myself and see why I'm such a shipbird. Mm-hmm. So that's it for me. Uh, is that is that was your whole answer just sleeping? Yeah, it's a strong answer. That's a very depressed sounding answer, though. Well, I have a sleep debit. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's fair. So you have that sleep debit going into every day. Yes. Wait, shit. D- does my bodily state reset every time it loops? Oh, that's an important question. I assume yes, if you can't die. Mm, but your mind... So, but, but like... Because mm, I was thinking like maybe maybe you just work out a lot. What happens if you don't go to sleep? You still loop. Oh, and you just wake up. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I was thinking like I would have to level up a lot before I could take on God, but I don't know if it's possible. Unless it's like an internal thing where you level up mentally. Like, you level up your psyche powers. Sure. I would get a lot of reading done. God. And I would try to escape the time loop. Why? <sighs> wow. You could do what anything you want. Question. You just can't have relationships with humans. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a strong way to put it. Yeah, um, you could I would still sp- have relationships with dogs. They don't care. I would spend a certain amount of time enjoying the particular uh, advantages of a time loop. And then I would try to get out of the time loop. So that I could go on carrying all my life with all of its different relationships. Maybe you can help a bunch of people in town. That would be good. Help all of them simultaneously. Yeah. Like catch that kid falling from the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, I wouldn't go that far. I would just try to get out of the fucking time. You murder someone? I probably wouldn't. I, would you? If you knew it was going to get reset. Let's move on, Cameron. Okay. okay. So, the answer is yes. I would murder oh, okay. any human being. Okay. So it, it's important to know which person, though. Because some people, you go like, well, even if it gets reset, I feel bad about this one. Okay. But some people, you go, ah, even if it didn't get reset, 
I'd be okay to take the licking. Which celebrity would you eat? Okay. Next question from Fanciest Pigeon. Why do the Moon Kids wind up looking like the mask salesman instead of, say, Link or the Skull Kid? I believe we settled on the because the mugging the mask salesman was the first truly bad act that the Skull Kid did. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's either that or they're images from within the mask and the salesman is a member of the old tribe who are very homogenous in appearance yeah that would make sense but i i I like the thing with the skull kid and the appearance that's that's good i like that you're gonna have to explain this next one to me this one's from cass when are you and cameron going to do a lore episode about meat and fuck what does that mean it's a series of flash games i is it just what it sounds like? Uh-huh. Are there Zelda characters in it? Th- there probably are Zelda-themed ones, yes. Yeah, I'm Googling this. Newgrounds. Oh, that takes me back. Dance School, Detective RPG. Oh, there's even the one specifically themed to Majora's Mask. What? Zelda. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm glad you linked me to this. You're welcome. I'm glad this is the thing. Uh, was this the last thing in your timeline, or did you just save it this way on purpose? No, I just looked it up, and that's the link. No. Oh, you mean the question? Yeah, that that was the last thing in my timeline. Wow, what a a weird coincidence. Isn't it strange how things come out that way? I I don't know what you're implying. Huh. Oh, nothing. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters at all. Still weird, though. Hmm. No, so when are we doing this? Do you want to do this? No. Okay. So does that mean we're not doing it, or do I need to just, like, take one for the team? If you don't want to do it, I'm not going to make you do it. Okay, thank you. I know this will change the way we set the timeline up, but still. Uh, by the time this episode goes up, I think we will. I will probably have a newer podcast up on iTunes called Meat Prey F, where we talk about these Flash games. Really? Uh-huh. Huh. Is that was was this question a reference to that? Yes, I recorded an episode of that yesterday. Oh, interesting. So is Cass on it with you? Uh, no, she's not. Oh, but she's in on the process and knows that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm glad that there's now this cross-pollination between the Zelda podcast and your sex game podcast. Uh-huh. Well, you're welcome. We want to get some of that uh, cross-branding going so we can share listenerships at least a little bit. Yeah. What was the name of that podcast? Meet, Pray, F. So how do you spell meet and pray? M. E-E-T-P-R-A-Y. You're thinking of oh, pray okay. on meat, right? Uh, I mean, it could be. Maybe that'll be a bonus. There's all kind. There, there's all kind of porn out there. Yeah, there's the war. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so we've come to the end of the questions that we have lined up. I have five and a half hours of recording. Yes, you do. That's longer than Ocarina. I told you that this would happen, didn't Funny. I? I told you I would have my revenge. But okay, we we did a lot of extra stuff, but a lot of that was genuine talk too. Yeah, I know. It's this is us going a little bit deeper. Okay, and I hope I genuinely hope. That as we get into games that have more lore to them and more things to discuss about specific places, and Majora's Mask is really dense about this, but as we get further into the series, with exceptions, I hope that this actually gets longer and we just get better about budgeting our time so we don't sit in one place for five and a half hours uh, doing a single recording. Oh, I look forward so much to the Four Swords episode. Because it'll be 35 minutes long? Ugh, that seems that seems longer than I thought. <laughs> it'll be the easiest editing job you've had for this oh, entire yeah, thing. Just get yeah. two weeks off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, uh, oh. Hey, Cameron, where can we find you online? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, at CamWriter. 
And you can find me on Twitter at ArcaneCrystal. If you want to send us questions or corrections or anything of that nature, you can contact us at those Twitter handles or send us an email at bookofmadorapodcast at gmail.com. That's Book of Medora, not Book of Majora. Now I just have to find his older joke. Oh, okay. Oh, this is how you know we've reached the end. I forgot to set this up ahead of time. Oh. You had several hours to set this up. Uh, um... Oh, here's one specific to Majora's Mask. Ahem. Hey, Cameron. Yes? What did the Zora say when he swam into the wall? I don't know. What? Damn. Yowza. Okay. That's it. We can stop recording. Okay. God damn. Okay. Bye, everybody.